Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the Watermark OC Church Sunday Message. Watermark is a generational community that is crazy passionate about starting a conversation about God, your relationships, and authentic love. If you're interested in getting more information, please click the link in the show notes for next steps. Thanks again for listening. It's our hope and prayer that this message would transform your life. I'm really excited to talk to you about what we're talking about this morning because I just want you to know that the stuff I'm going to tell you this morning, I totally have down pat and um, I'm really good at it clearly and obviously. So I get to share with you my expertise. That's a lie. That's joke. That's called sarcasm. And we're actually going to talk about sarcasm a little bit later. But no, we're in a series called I Can Relate. Have you guys been here for this series so far? Yeah. What do you think? Good stuff? So, okay, so our series is called I Can Relate, and it's basically we're going through this workbook by Pete Scazzaro and his wife, Jerry. And they started in a ministry called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And basically what that means is if you're not necessarily in an emotionally healthy place, then you might have difficulty being in a spiritually healthy place because they're very much intertwined and linked. So... Um, he then wrote, that him and his wife then wrote um, a curriculum about emotionally healthy relationships. And you're probably wondering, like, why, why would I want to hear about emotionally healthy relationships in church? We're not here for a therapy session. We're here to learn about the Lord. But what I want to tell you is, is that Watermark, that's where we are, um, Watermark is a place that believes wholeheartedly that God says in Scripture that the top two commandments we are to follow are love God and love others, right? And we cannot love God and love others without working on our relationships. It's our calling. It's what we're here to do. And everything that we do is affected by loving God and loving others. So if we followed this precedent and if we did this well, if we were like perfect and and we did it all right, we wouldn't actually need the other eight commandments, would we? Because if you truly loved God and loved others, then would you murder someone? Well, no, because I love you. I would never murder anyone. Would I have to be told to honor my father and mother? No, I would just do it because I love them. And that's what I'm called to do. But unfortunately, we live in a, a little bit of a disobedient world, right? Where we need this reminder to love God and love others. We need a little bit of help. So we're going to talk about relationships. We're going to talk about loving God and loving others. And um, this morning, we're going to talk about our feelings and our emotions and how that affects our relationships. Because our, what we do and say, it, it, has, um, it affects everything that we do, every relationship we have. So this dialogue is really important to Watermark. Okay, talking about relationships and loving God and loving others. So I wanted to read you this little story. I'm going to do a sermon illustration today. Do you guys like sermon illustrations? I feel like it's like 1990 and I've got my little story. But I just wanted to show you how easy it is to miscommunicate with something or misunderstand what someone's saying. Okay, so there's this old-fashioned lady and she's going on a vacation in Florida, and she contacts the person who's in charge of the campground because she just wants to ask a few questions. She wants to register, and she wants to know if there's a toilet on site. 
because she's not sure if she has to bring what she needs or if it's available to her. But she's really prim and she's really proper and she's very dainty. And so she doesn't want to be like, um, do you have, do you have like a toilet on the property or is that a thing? So she's like, okay, what, what words can I use? I'm going to use bathroom commode. So I was wondering if you had a bathroom commode on your property, but then she's like, I don't even like, I don't even like writing out the word commode. It just looks so, mm -mm, I don't like it. So I'm just, you know what? I will abbreviate it and I'm just gonna put BC. Do you have a BC on site? And so the guy gets it and he's like, I, what in the world is this? I don't know what a BC is. And so he goes around to the campground and he's like, so this lady is asking if there's a BC on site. Does anybody know, like, what would she be talking about? And so they come to the consensus that, um, well, she must be talking about a Baptist church. Like, maybe she wants to go to church on Sunday, and so she's like, hey, is there a church there that I can go to, or do I have to travel outside of town to go to a church? So this is his response to her. I take pleasure of informing you that the BC is located nine miles north of the campsite and is capable of seating 250 people at a time. I admit it's quite a distance away if you're in the habit of going regularly, but no doubt you will be pleased to know that a great number of people take their lunches along and make a day of it. The last time my wife and I went was six years ago and it was so crowded we had to stand up the whole time. I would like to say it pains me very much not to be able to go more regularly, but it's surely not for lack of desire on my part. As we grow older, it seems to be more and more of an effort, particularly in cold weather. If you decide to come down to the campground, perhaps I could go with you the first time you go. I could sit with you and introduce you to all the other folks. This is a really, really friendly community. <laughs> so, of course, she gets that and she's like, okay, I'm never going there. People are scary, but it's, it's funny, right? It's silly. It's a little situation of where things get miscommunicated and that can happen all the time. But today, the part that we are going to learn about in this emotionally healthy relationships is we're talking about navigating the iceberg. So Bethany, if you could put up that iceberg. So basically, what Pete Scazzaro says is that our feelings and our emotions are kind of like the tip of an iceberg. So you see the tip of the iceberg in the ocean, and you're like, oh, there's an iceberg. But you don't realize that about 90% of the iceberg is actually underneath the water. You only see what's at the top. And so Pete Scazzaro is saying, look at what you're showing, what you're presenting to other people, that's about only 10% of your true self. 90% is still under the surface. It could be stuff that you're not dealing with or it could be some stuff that you don't want to deal with, or it could be stuff that you don't want to present to other people because it, it shows immaturity or, or it makes you insecure in some way, shape, or form. So in this story about the bathroom commode, who calls it that anyways, right? It's just for the story. But in this story, um, it's a miscommunication between two people, right? They didn't understand what the other one is saying. But what if the problem is the miscommunication inside myself, right? So I don't even know myself and my feelings and my emotions well enough to understand what I'm thinking and feeling. So not only can I not communicate with other people, I can't even communicate with myself. So we come into relationships and, and we are only responsible for our part. 
right? I come and I talk to a family member. I'm responsible for all of my actions. Everything I say, it's all me. That's on me. But what if I don't even know me? How can I possibly have a healthy relationship if I do not understand what's going on underneath the surface of, of who I am, right? So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about um, awareness of emotions and the need to process emotions, what God has to say about emotions. And then we're going to use the material of emotional healthy relationships to talk about three things um, that Pete Scazzaro says are important things to know about feelings and unresolved feelings. And then, lastly, we're going to just spend a little time with Jesus. I hope that's okay. I like making people feel really uncomfortable and awkward and calling them to do things they might not do otherwise. But honestly, you guys, I'm so excited about this message because I, I really feel like the Lord wants to break chains today. I really, really do, and I really want that for you. So if you're holding on to something or there's something that you need to hand over to God, I want to be able to get to that place today. Does that sound good? Okay. All right, you guys are so quiet, y'all. And the lights are, like, really dark, so I can't see any faces. So I'm, like, feeling super alone in here. Can I just hear you a little? Okay. Okay. Okay, you're there. Okay, good. Okay, so Scripture is chock full of people dealing with their emotions, right? Have you guys ever been like, oh, my gosh, it was such a hard day. I'm, like, I'm like so jobing it right now. I'm, like, really, like, super jobing it. Right? Because it's like, no, 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 for sure, like, all your family was just murdered and you're covered from head to toe in boils. I'm sure you're just totally jobing it, right? But that's what we feel. And why is that book in the Bible? So we can identify with somebody who's going through really hard things, right? And where, did jo where does Job go? He takes it directly to the Lord and he wrestles out his faith with God. He brings it before him. He talks to his friends. He gets counsel. He works through it, and he processes it through it. And by the end, he gets twice what he had before, right? Then there's um, Jeremiah. He was a man, was considered a man of sorrow, right? So he was a prophet. He went around telling what, what was going to happen in Jerusalem, which is really terrible, horrible things. And he was the one that's like, hey, this is going to happen. And then he wrote Lamentations, which is like a super uplifting, like joy-filled book called Lamentations, all about lamenting all of the stuff that just happened because it was so hard and crazy. Ecclesiastes starts out like, oh, life is meaningless. It's so meaningless, right? And we feel like we're bad when we have those emotions because we don't understand what God's doing, but it's completely normal, and understandable, when we're in hard places and we live in a world that's fallen, we're going to deal with hard things and emotional things. So David is the greatest example of a person that's longing after God's heart, but he's wrestling with the internal, right? He's king. He's got a job to do. He's really important. He's being chased on every side. He's hiding in caves, and he's like, I don't know what's going on, Lord. This is more than I can take right? All of Psalms. Psalms is covered in it. Psalms of David, Psalms of other people who are like, I, I, I don't know what to do with all this anguish, with all this pain inside me. So if you go to Psalm 25, verse, we're going to start in verse 16. It says, turn and be gracious to me for I am lonely and afflicted. 
Relieve the troubles of my heart and free me from my anguish. Look on my affliction and my distress and take away all my sins. See how numerous my enemies are and how fiercely they hate me? Guard my life and rescue me. Do not let me be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness protect me because my hope, Lord, is in you. Deliver Israel, O God, from all their troubles. So what does he do? He laments. Sometimes he wails. Sometimes he cries. Sometimes he tears his robe. And he brings it before the Lord, and he lays it at his feet. And by the end of each psalm, where he's reaching out in utter despair, he always goes back to, but Lord, you've got me. You are good. You are righteous. I serve you. I love you. I honor you. And this is one of the greatest men of all time right, who has struggled with these really hard things. So every, every person here has struggled with pain, right? And there's no shame in it. There's no shame. Heartache, fear, insecurity, doubt, we've all dealt with it. And for a long season, what Pete Scazzaro says is, is the thing that we would normally do as people is that we would stuff down those emotions because we don't really want to be seen for who we are and we don't want to show any weakness, Right? So it's like, no, 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 I'm fine. I don't have anything to work through. Life is good, but it starts to leak out. Right? But, but then, kind of, we see, I was talking to Julia yesterday, and it's like there's this kind of new thing going on where people are like, either I stuff my emotions down or my emotions define me and it's who I am. And I'm going to use my social f- platform or whatever it is to say like, oh, no, this is me. This is my reality. I'm X, Y, and Z. And if you don't like it, then you can just step off. Right? So we can either stuff down emotions and make them not valid, or we can project them out and say, I don't need to change because this is my truth. This is who I am. So deal with it. If you don't want to, you don't have to be in my life. Neither of those things are what God would want us to do right? So whether we stuff down emotions or whether we wear them as a badge of honor, that's not what the Lord has for us. And we are called to be ministers of his gospel. So if we're leaking all this negative stuff and this brokenness and not dealing with our pain and issues, how can we possibly minister the gospel? How can the gospel advance? Well, the gospel did advance through all those people in scripture who put out all their pain on display in the books of the Bible and said, here's what's going on with me, but the gospel will still advance because praise be to the God in heaven, right? So um, when we look at the scriptures, we see that all of these men processed through their pain and we're talking about them today still thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago because we can relate to them. So Pete Scazzaro, I'm going to lean on his stuff because I'm not a therapist. I don't know anything about it, but I love Jesus, so I get to be up here and talk to you. But Pete Scazzaro has some really good information in this study, so I want to lean a bit on that um, so that I'm giving you good information. Um, He has three facts to know about emotions, and they are, you ready? Got your pens. Number one, unprocessed emotions don't die. They get buried alive right? So if we don't process through our pain, they're not going to go anywhere. They're going to stay there. 
when we don't acknowledge what's going on internally, then it's going to start affecting our behavior, our actions, our attitude, our heart, our relationships. Everything is going to be affected by what we're not working out and wrestling out in our faith. The book states that it can affect us physically and emotionally. So we have physical, we have insomnia, high blood pressure, stomach issues, headache, fatigue, depression, panic attacks, anxiety. Anybody have any of those? Am I the only one that's literally had like all of them? Except for high, I don't think I've had high blood pressure, but I don't know because I haven't checked. Right? So, so physically, our bodies are telling us, ah, red flags, I'm struggling here. We have to listen to our body and recognize, like, what's going on? And, and we, can, we can take medication, and, and we can do things, and, and some things are medical, and so I don't want to say, like, it's all spiritual or all medical or whatever, but it's important to listen to the Lord and what he has to say about the things that are going on internally. And then emotionally, it can take us into anger, yelling, sarcasm. Did you guys hear me talk about sarcasm early? earlier? I use a lot of sarcasm. You know why? Because I'm funny. No, no, I got into a pattern of using sarcasm to numb my pain. And if you're hurting me, it's easier for me to say something sarcastic to you and funny. <laughs> but also go ping. I hope you feel that. Right? Because that's what we can do. That's a secret way we can slide in and say what we're feeling without really saying what we're feeling. That's me. I have that problem. Defensiveness, crying. There are so many ways that, that our feelings can come out in our emotions. And it affects every single relationship we have. And then the enemy comes in and he's like, oh, you're struggling in that area? Here, let me just multiply it tenfold. Because he knows our areas of weakness. He knows how to come right in and attack us right where it hurts. So he keeps that anger to your family. He keeps that anger and resentment against a friend. Or you don't process through. And then every conversation you have, there's a part of that place of, of hurt and pain that comes out in those conversations. So First Peter, we're going to go to First Peter 5, 6 through 10. We're going to start, sorry, we're going to start at 6. Bethany, I apologize. I shortened this one a little bit. Um, he says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout this world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. And there's so much in here that I want to get to. Gosh, there's so much here, guys, because I'm a person who struggles with emotions and feelings. I do wear them as a badge of honor. And so there's so many things that I want to say, and I have to be, like, so brief and quick. But the things that I want to point out here are be alert and of sober mind. And I think of sobriety of the mind, and I think of when we're not sober, our judgment is clouded. We can't see things clearly. 
And I think sometimes we can be intoxicated by our feelings and emotions. And we're not living out of a sober mind. We are not seeing things rationally and clearly. And the Lord's like, no, you can't, you can't minister that way. You can't witness that way. You can't bear fruit that way if you are not of sober mind. Um, let's see if there's anything I wanted to say. Yeah, so the devil prowls around like a roaring lion. So if you're not of sober mind, he's going to get in there. And he's going to do whatever he can to stop the ministry from moving forward. Um, number two. This is the second one. The first one was unprocessed emotions don't die. They get buried alive. And isn't it interesting that God's the God of restoration and resurrection, right? So nothing should be getting buried in this life. So healthy community requires that people know themselves. Because we are called to be the church. We are called to be a community. God came. He gave us the spirit. And he's like, now you go and do my work. You go out and minister the gospel. I came for a season. I am with you in spirit. Now you go do it. But we can't be a healthy community if we don't know ourselves first. We can't walk, along someone, uh, walk alongside someone in their pain when we don't even know what our own pain is. Empathy, testimony, those things are vital to the Christian community. We need, we need like-minded people. We need friendships. We need fellowship. We need to know that we're seen and loved and we're okay. So imagine if you were at life group, right? And the life group leader's like, okay, guys, um, let's go around and just, like, see. Let's assess how everyone's doing. Okay, Jan, you can go first. And Jan's like, I'm good. I'm great. Okay, cool, Jan. Okay, Steve? No, good. I'm good. Doing great. Okay, um, Alan, good, good over here. Well, what's the point? If everyone says they're okay and they're good and they're not willing to share their feelings and emotions, like, let's just go home. I can be good at home. I don't need to be good with you. I don't, I don't need you for anything. I'm fine. No, we're not fine. We need a Savior. We need a church. We need a family. We need community. So the couple things that the scripture says about community here is 1 Corinthians 1 through 10 says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say and there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. And if you don't continue to take on the mind of Christ, and what Christ has to say, then you can't be perfectly united. And oftentimes, when our mind is not right, then we can often uh, read Scripture through a filter. I used to do this when, when my relationship with God was a little wonky, and I believed that God was mean. But he's up there in heaven, and he's in charge, so I need to be a believer. And I believed that God was mean, and so I read the, the Bible with a filter that God is mean. Oh, my gosh, what is happening to Job? No, that's totally going to happen to me. I'm scared. I don't want it. No, no. But when you don't have that filter on your mind, then you can be like-minded with fellow believers. That's what God has for us. That's, that's how we are living out his perfect will. 1 John 1 verse 7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his son purifies us from all sin. But how can we walk in the light if our mind is covered by darkness? How can we receive the light? The light's there. Can it penetrate? If we haven't given our mind over to Christ, our hearts over to Christ, it's hard to walk in that light, have confidence in that light. 
First Thessalonians 5.14 says, And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Well, are you capable of encouraging the disheartened and helping the weak when you're disheartened and you're weak? Now, are feelings wrong? Absolutely not. They're what draw us to the Father. But when we have unprocessed feelings and emotions, that's when havoc can be wreaked on our lives. And that's, how, that's what hinders us from our relationship with the Lord and relationships with other people. The last thing that Pete Scazzaro says is feelings help us discern God's voice. It's hard to hear God's voice when we have a bunch of other noise in our lives, right? And so we listen to the radio, we watch TV, our kids are yelling in the house, we can't focus, it's so loud, blah, blah, blah. But what if it's so loud in here? And we don't even know it. And we're like, oh, stuff it down, stuff it down. I don't want to think about that. I have other things to do. I've got to go to work. I've got to be a mom. I've got to do all the things. And we don't process through it. Knowing ourselves helps us know God more. Because when we know who we truly are in him, and when we receive who we are in him, then we understand who he is and what he's done, and we want to take that, and we want to tell everyone about it. When we enter into our own pain and struggle and bring it before the Lord, we invite him into those places, and we ask him, what are you doing? God, what can I learn in this? How do I let this go? How can you help me here? Because God wants all of us, everything. He knows us to the core of our being. And he says, in this world, you're going to have trouble, trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. But do we believe that? He also says his yoke is easy and his burden is light. But I think there's a part of us that's like, I don't really know if peace is attainable. I don't really know if joy is possible for me. I don't know if I can really actually live in freedom this side of heaven, right? But if we believe that, then what did Jesus come to do? He came to give us freedom. And so when we're telling Jesus, I don't, I don't really know if freedom is totally possible for me, we're contradicting what he came to this earth to do for us specifically so that we could be free. So we need to come to him. We need to give our burdens to him so that he can carry them with us. So we're not carrying it on our own anymore. He walks with us. His yoke is easy. Our yoke, not so easy. When we draw near to him, he draws near to us. Romans um, 12, 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So it's hard to know what God is saying when we're not renewing our minds. And this is why silence and solitude is so important. And I think this is why silence and solitude scares everyone. Because you have to literally sit with yourself and go, what's going on with me? Why am I feeling this? Why am I reacting this way? Hmm. And then we sit and we wrestle it out with God and he starts to speak little things. 
if we're patient enough to sit and listen. Most of the time we get up and we're like, no, it's fine. I'm, I've got stuff to do. I'm, I've, got, I've got 10 minutes for you. That's it. If you don't speak to me in the 10 minutes, I've got, I've got to go pick up Judah from school. I've got to go run this errand. And the Lord's like, just come sit with me. Please, let's talk about these things. When you renew your mind with me, then... Only then will you know my will because you know my voice. You're spending time with me and you know how to hear me. You cannot hear me if you are not constantly renewing your mind. And so we think that we can do all of these things. And at the end of the day, when we're not going to God regularly and giving him all of our stuff, we're living out of this place of deficit. I tell people all the time, you cannot give out of an empty cup. If your cup is empty, you cannot fill someone else's cup. If you are empty and you are depleted, I'm sorry, I can't be the best mom that way. I'm a single mom. I work full time. I go to school. I don't have the margin for most of it. But if I don't meet with Jesus on a regular basis and hand over my stuff, I am no good to anyone. Tangent. Franklin Delano Roosevelt was a great president according to a lot of people. He's kind of um, held as like one of the top three. It's like George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. He did some really good stuff for the United States, right? But he also had severe issues in his personal life, in his marriage, with his children. And he had this disease that made him partially paralyzed, but he's, he's like, I don't want the world to see this. I don't want anyone to know. So in a lot of the pictures he's in, you see him, he's sitting behind a desk, and he's like looking up at someone, and he's like, hey, here I am, doing great, doing fine. And sometimes he would get up to speak, and he would literally have aides next to him, like holding his arm up, holding him up. You know, we're just standing here to support him, literally. Right? Because he didn't want people to know. He wore these braces on his legs that were so painful because he was like, whatever I can do to show that I'm fine. I'm totally fine. And I'm going to stand up here. And, I, and one of his aides once saw him wince. He was like, oh, my. I'm fine. I'm good. Okay, let's go. All right, ready? Because he wouldn't show his pain. And then that leaked out into his family so he was married to Eleanor Roosevelt. They had five children together, but he had multiple affairs. They did not have a good marriage. She was broken and depleted, ended up doing her own thing. They stayed married, but she ended up living her own place, doing her own thing. They lived separate lives, and the children never saw him. He was not present in his children's lives. So of those five kiddos came 19 divorces. And Eleanor Roosevelt said specifically when asked when she thinks about her children, she said, when I think about my children, I want to commit suicide. All of this, not all of it, I'm not going to put it all on Franklin Delano Roosevelt. He wasn't perfect. No one's perfect. But this is to say, if you are not working through your pain, processing your emotions, doing your work with the Lord, it's not just you you're affecting. You have a whole family that you're affecting, children that you're possibly affecting, a wife that you're affecting, and then, oh, there's generations after that that who knows what they are affected by because you chose not to work through your stuff. So when I was preparing for this morning, I had my eyes closed and I was just talking to the Lord, and he gave me this really pretty picture, and I just wanted to share it with you. So... 
in my mind, I saw like this cute little church chapel, and there was a cross in the front, very similar to this, um, and it was lit. And there was a man standing in front of the cross, and he was just kind of hunched over, kind of broken. And then surrounded at the foot of him was just these big, black, industrial trash bags full of junk. And he was just standing there, depleted at the foot of the cross, broken. And I just felt like I saw the Lord look him in the eye and go, like, give it to me, I'll take it. I got it. And the man's like, I I can't give you all. Look, I mean, I have like 15 giant trash bags. And the Lord's like, no, come on, come on, I got it. So not, he doesn't pick up a trash bag and hand it over. He opens them up one by one. <sighs> All right, let me get out that one thing. You really going to take this? You really, you really want this? Like, come on, hand it over. Okay, here. He's like, okay, keep going. He just goes... <sighs> And he just starts taking out one by one, and he's like, okay, okay, I can, I can breathe. And all of a sudden, he just changes his countenance, changes. Everything inside him changes. Because he is literally giving over all of his brokenness and saying, I, I can't take this anymore. I can't carry these bags everywhere I go. I got to give this to you, God. And so I feel like there are three types of people in this room this morning. I feel like there's the person that's like, you know, I've done all the therapy, I've done all the things, I feel like I'm doing pretty good, I feel like I'm on point with this. And to that I say, yes, so good. But can you do me a little favor? Could you just double check with the Lord this morning? Just double check, just ask him. Is there anything, is there any bitterness, is there any resentment, is there any brokenness, anything I'm missing? I just want to know God so I can be free. And then number two, you might know that you have a hard thing or something that you need to process through, but you don't even know where to begin. You don't know where to begin. It's so much like that guy with the trash bags. You're like, if I go through all of this stuff, I'm going to fall apart. And I feel like the Lord gave me the picture of sometimes, yes, they say processing through emotions, it gets harder before it gets better. But God gave me the picture of like re-breaking a, a broken bone. Sometimes you have to re-break it and set it correctly because otherwise you're going to be walking with a limp for the rest of your life because it healed wrong. So you got to re-break that bone and strengthen it and get it right. That's what the Lord wants to do with your pain. He wants to get it right and free you from it. The last one, and I didn't even get to touch on this at all, you guys, and I hate it, but we didn't have time for it. But there's trauma. We all experience trauma. Trauma is a real thing. And, and something that has happened to us or has been done to us has created this barrier inside of us that's like, I can't, I won't, I refuse. And you put up this wall and you become this fake person and you present yourself as someone, but inside you're dying. And I truly believe, you guys, that God wants to break chains today. He's a God of freedom. He says it is for freedom that you have been set free. And I want to uh, read Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. This is Isaiah prophesying to the people 
about what's going to happen. And then Jesus picks up this scroll in the New Testament, and he reads it in front of the church. And he goes, oh, here I am. This is actually me. This is what I have come to do. And this is what Jesus says. He says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners. So who are we talking about? Brokenhearted, captives, and prisoners. And God's like, no more. I have come to make that right. So if you're walking in bondage today and you want to be freed, God wants that for you. But you have to take the risk and invite him into that circumstance and know that it might be tricky. And one thing that we do, honestly, as people, and this is normal, is sometimes we get rid of those chains. We get prayer. We, we drop them and we walk up. And then something happens in our life, and it takes us back to the place of, like, pick up those chains again. Because they're comfortable. That's what I know. So it doesn't mean if you get prayer today for breaking of chains and bondage that you're going to be perfectly healed and you can just walk out your ministry for the rest of your life. This is a process. It's called sanctification, and we're constantly walking out our relationship with Christ. And that means sometimes we go backwards, but then we go two steps forwards. And then we might go backwards for another minute. And you know why we do that? Because we can relate and connect with other people and go, that happened to you, it happened to me too. Look what Jesus did. So um, I'm going to invite the prayer team people. Um, Julia, is Lauren Pine in here? Lauren, are you here? I was told I could call you out. Then Appleby will be coming in in a second. Hey, there he is. So um, Julia, if you could come up. And I just, I want to, and Ben Appleby is going to come up in a second. I think he's still in with the kids. Um, uh, can you just close your eyes for me and sit with the father for just a moment? And I just want you to ask him, if you know where you are on that spectrum, number one, God, is there anything I'm missing? Is there anything I should be looking at? Ask the Lord to reveal it to you. He may not reveal it to you this minute, but, but he will if you continue to pursue and reach out. And then number two, if you have pain and you don't even know what to do with it, you don't know where to begin, and ask the Lord, just give me one step, Father, one step. Talking to a friend, meeting with a pastor, getting therapy, getting healing prayer, going to a prayer session, getting involved in a life group, something. Something that's going to hold you accountable to that thing. Ask him. And if you have any trauma, and if that trauma has taken you to a place where you cope with things in a specific way, meaning addiction, any kind of things like that where you're like, I just numb the pain because it's too hard. I don't even know what to do. If you're stuck in a place of addiction or trauma or brokenness that feels too heavy to carry on your own, the Lord wants you to just let it go today. And you can go to Julia. You can go to Lauren. You can go to Ben. You can come to me after service. We want to break chains today. We want you to be set free. There's Benjamin Joseph Appleby. Good job, bud. There he is. So Ben, Julia, Lauren, just be prepared if anyone wants to come to you for some healing prayer. We want to make that available. We hope that this message has challenged and encouraged you. If you need prayer, would like to join a small group community, or are interested in partnering with our work throughout Costa Mesa and Orange County, please go to watermarkoc.com. 
we would love to start a conversation.